Let's get Anna Maria with Coach Saban. All right, Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. What answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. All right, guys, welcome into week two of the college football preview. This is uh, Drew for Drew's Views. I'm here again with Logan, uh, the usual for for the college preview show. We're going to go ahead and jump into the recap of last week, and then we'll go ahead and uh, pick, a, pick a couple players of the week and then jump into the picks for, for week two. Uh, the first game we have is FAU traveled to Oklahoma. I predicted this game would be close, and I, I probably couldn't have been more wrong. Um, Oklahoma took that game 63-14. to Kyler Murray, 9 of 11 for 209 and two touchdowns. Um, it was it was pretty underwhelming performance by FAU. Kind of it looked rough on Kiffin, but I'll go ahead and let you say whatever you guys say about that, Logan. I mean, it's exactly how I predicted it to go. I said it was going to be a blowout game, uh, and Oklahoma just came out and showed that there's life after Baker. Uh, the Murray really just, I mean, threw 11 passes at 200 yards. Um, and didn't even have – he had nine out of the 11, so – that's how that went. Uh, that game was pretty ugly. There's actually quite a bit of ugly games this weekend for college football, uh, just beatdowns and then just some nasty football that was played this week. But this was really the biggest blowout that a lot of people thought that FAU, just because Kiffin could keep them close, but their talent wasn't nearly enough for Oklahoma. Yeah, and I thought FAU, um, like you said, their talent was – the gap was – more obvious than I thought it would be. I thought mm-hmm. just because based off the fact that Kiffin's a, a pretty decent coach that they could keep it close. But I think Lincoln Riley's really doing a lot down there at Oklahoma. And Kyler Murray kind of proved that. Now, Kyler Murray's obviously not a bum because um, his stats last year and then his stats from um, from and before. So is this a preview for how it's going to be for FAU? I don't really think so. Is it a preview for how it's going to be for Oklahoma? I think – Obviously, they're not going to smack everybody like this, but um, I think it's a it's a good it's a good preview for the season. I think that um, it's a it's a really good wake up call for for everybody that said that they wouldn't have a life after Baker, like you said. So I think Kyler Murray's leading them in the right direction. And I think having Lincoln Riley at the at the helm is a is a, a really good option for them. Oh yeah, I mean, FAU probably played their hardest game of the year, and Oklahoma probably played one of their softest games of the year. So. That's definitely, you know, the FAU will be a solid team, especially with Kiffin and, you know, the, the conference they play in. And then I still feel like Oklahoma is still going to be the best team in the Big 12. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree there. And uh, speaking of the Big 12, we had a – I don't know if you call it an upset because it happened last <laughs> year too, but uh, we had twenty three number 23 Texas traveling to Maryland. Uh, a noon kickoff, uh, Maryland obviously took that game 34-29. to I, I can't – I don't mean this – to hurt anybody that likes Texas's feelings, but it's hard to watch them play. Their offense is—it's just—it looks out of sync all the time, like constantly. It always looks like their their play calls are like like everybody's confused, really. And they don't really have any playmakers. Uh, they always have questions at quarterback. So I think Texas also has a lot of questions that they need to answer. Um, obviously Herman um, underwhelmed so far. I know this is just his second year, but. Um, he was one of the most sought-after coaches in the nation, kind of like for basketball for him, too. They had smart, 
one of the most sought after coaches in the nation also. So I don't know if it's a Texas thing or if it's just um, some bad juju. Um, maybe they're maybe they're cursed like Tennessee. So we'll we'll see where it goes for them. But they're gonna have to they're gonna have to turn it around. I think uh, Herman's on the hot seat if he doesn't win somewhere around eight games. And if he gets nine, then he may be able to alleviate the loss to Maryland. But uh, like I said, he's gonna have to start winning some games to be able to to come back from from this defeat. Yeah, this team that played on Saturday did not look like they're gonna win eight or nine games. No, at all. Uh, another thing is that Texas did not look like they've progressed any of their upperclassmen or got any of a system going or any of or like any momentum of building a you know a solid program back so they look like you said just dysfunctional all the time uh doesn't really matter who they have coaching uh it seems like for the past probably the past 10 years that tex has been playing uh you know who no matter who they have at head coach he's always on the hot seat uh and they just can't seem to you know get this this program back to where it was uh, in the early 2000s or even just be competitive on the national stage so Texas definitely has a lot of growing to do uh, so we'll see how that plays out for them I I don't think I said last week I don't think they're going to be that good of a big 12 school they're going to be like a mid-tier big 12 school but I picked them to beat Maryland because Maryland's got a whole lot going on right now uh, but they failed to do that, so Texas is definitely struggling um, after this week one. But hopefully they can, you know, get it going. Yeah, and um, so we—I don't know why we both picked Texas whenever we. But obviously Maryland has a lot going on. But I thought Maryland looked like they had—they looked more um, more together than than Texas did. So we'll see if Herman can ride the ship. See if maybe there's some kinks he can work out. But um, we also picked another Big Twelve game. We had Ole Miss. Uh, versus Texas Tech uh, at NRG Stadium in Houston, Ole Miss took that game forty-seven to twenty-seven. Now that that score can be a little misleading because Texas Tech's quarterback went down in the early early second quarter or late first. I'm not really exactly exactly sure on the time, but that that was a big game changer. But uh, Tiamu looked great, twenty-two to thirty-three for three thirty-six and two touchdowns. Is that great against Texas Tech's defense? I don't. I'm not. <laughs> Not sure, but uh, Scotty Phillips, their, their uh, JUCO running back, uh, 16 rushes for 204, averaged uh, 12.8 a carry and two touchdowns. So I think if Ole Miss can continue this, I don't expect them to obviously win the SEC West because it's deep. But, I mean, if Ole Miss gets to eight or, eight or nine wins this year, that's a, that's a pretty big thing for everything they've been through lately. So we'll see. Um, but like I said last week, I thought Tiamu would – uh, come out and really show out because I've seen him and I've seen him play in person before. So I think Tiamu is the real deal. If they have a running game, they obviously they have Ole Miss might have the best receiving uh, receiving group in the in the nation. So uh, we'll see how it goes for them. But a great first week win for Ole Miss. Pretty low scoring game. Yeah, like you my, said, <laughs> from both of them. Uh, yeah, the quarterback going down for Texas Tech really just after that uh, kind of went downhill for uh, Texas Tech. The quarterback for Old Miss, though, did look really good. Uh, super impressive, especially, you know, just was like two <laughs> years after the freeze debacle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Ole Miss definitely looks uh, – you know, the SEC overall, for the most part, looked really good this weekend. Uh, you know, this past weekend they looked solid. Uh, so I think Ole Miss did good. It was definitely a low-scoring game between those two. So I was fairly accurate. Yeah. Then we got you, uh, North Carolina, at Cal. Not that not a whole lot to say. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about that. Um, Cal won the game twenty four to seventeen as we both predicted. So that was a good pickup for us. And then we had Cincinnati at UCLA. Um, We both picked UCLA in that game. And would it have been different if also uh, UCLA didn't have the quarterback injury? Wilton Spate went down. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure when he's supposed to be back. So that's a pretty big loss for Kelly. And you could tell that they were they were really missing him because their backups more of kind of like kind of like Kentucky um, Kentucky's starter he's just more of a runner than a passer so we'll see how it goes from uh, Chip Kelly's got one of the hardest hardest uh, schedules in the nation I think they go to Oklahoma this week mm-hmm. so we'll we'll see how it goes from a rough rough start for Chip Kelly but uh, like I said UCLA did drop that game Cincinnati did pick that Dude, up and he he made some dumb play call in that game Chip Kelly did for some reason but the quarterback thing I mean if most teams, unless you're Alabama, are not going to have enough depth at quarterback to where if your QB1 goes down and you're in a tight game that you're going to be able to keep the shit afloat. So, uh, you know, when your quarterback goes down, it kind of just changes everything because you prepare for this one guy to lead you to help you try to win. So I think that helped, or that hurt Chip Kelly uh, in the Bruins. But I did, you know, I thought that UCLA uh, was going to win this game just because I just felt like they were a better team and had a better, you know, more prestige coach, but they did not. So another another L in the in the L column for us there. Yeah, then the next game we picked was um one of the one of the uglier games of the well ugly for Tennessee fans. Um <laughs> of the of the slate here. We had Tennessee versus number seventeen, West Virginia. Um we both picked West Virginia, so at least I could look past my fandom for a little bit last week. Glad I changed my mind last minute. <laughs> Blow out. Yeah. Um, West Virginia obviously won that game. Um, JG Gontano looked a lot better than he did last year. He was slinging the ball around. Really impressed me. But um, Tennessee has a lot to work on on the offensive line. And if it couldn't have got any worse for Tennessee, uh, Brandon Kennedy went down um, today actually with a torn ACL out for the season. Obviously, everybody knows he's a grad transfer, so his his college career is over. So that's another big loss. Uh, Will Greer's the the real deal. Now, did we help him out by uh, jumping on a lot of the the <laughs> hitch and go routes? Yeah, but I mean, Will Greer threw for five touchdowns. Um, he looked he looked he looked good. Tennessee's young secondary, like I said, got torched. Um, West Virginia's receiving core, all juniors and seniors. Uh, the the Steels kid looked really good. Not fast, just a, just a big old big target. So we'll see if Tennessee can route the ship. They got ETSU this week. West Virginia, um, slated to run the. They could be nine and zero by the time that they get into the meat of their schedule. So if Wilger continues that, I don't. I don't know how easy they'll be to beat because I mean they were seven and six last year. But like I said, I think that um, I think West Virginia gets about ten wins this year. Tennessee will be lucky to get six. But um, and you can something I'll touch on a little bit later is that you can really tell that Butch Jones hasn't hasn't developed any of the players, uh, or hadn't developed any of the players while he was there, and you can see 
now what Tennessee is actually uh, and what Jeremy Pruitt's actually got in front of him. So Tennessee's got a lot ahead of them. Obviously, it's going to be good to get a, a, a look from outside. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can go ahead with whatever. It's rough for the Volunteers. Uh, kind of like I predicted, their defense wasn't able to stay on the field and, you know, not let the explosive West Virginia offense really just take off. So I can't really remember exactly when in the game, but at some point you kind of just started watching and, you know, whenever Will Greer was just kind of picking the secondary part for Tennessee and they kind of just got things clicking on offense, um, Tennessee really just struggled. Uh, and They just don't have enough talent this year to, you know, fight back in those games with teams with superior talent. So uh, Tennessee definitely – Tennessee definitely struggled, but it wasn't as bad, or it wasn't you know worse than what I thought it would be. I thought Tennessee uh, would really not look impressive this first game against West Virginia, who's you know going to be trying to get a pretty big bowl game probably this year. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Tennessee's coming off a bad year, and they're probably going to have another bad year. But you know that's what happens when you got some bum being your head coach and Butch Jones. So. Uh, but, you know, Jeremy Pruitt definitely, I mean, it wasn't the worst coaching debut for, you know, the first week of college football. But he's definitely got a lot of work to do for the volunteers. Uh, they just got to get better every week. But West Virginia is just a better overall team, and that really just showed, you know, in that game. Yeah, and um, like you said, I think it's a good – yeah, I think it's a good measuring stick and a good tone setter for – what Tennessee fans have to look forward or not look forward to, but um, what they come, what they need to expect this season. Um, Tim Jordan looked good, so we'll see. We'll see where we end up at the end of the year. But I mean, West Virginia, like I said, will be a ten-win team. So the next thing we had was number six, Washington versus number nine, Auburn in Atlanta. Um, Auburn took that game, twenty-one to sixteen. I didn't get to watch too much of it because it was during the Tennessee game. But what I did catch, uh, Stidham looked great. Turnovers hurt Washington, and um, something that I really noticed, and like I said last week, that Washington, who we both picked, had is supposed to have an explosive offense, um, yeah. and not that they didn't, but like I said, the turnovers hurt them, and well, Auburn the, shut down Gaskins. Yeah, well, at the very least, they were supposed to be efficient on offense as well. They weren't supposed to be a team that turned the ball over when you got that many upperclassmen, or upperclassmen playing for you know, uh, for Washington, and they really turn the ball over. And it's hard to turn the ball over against SEC schools and try to win games because they just play, you know, most SEC schools play some high-octane high defense. So whenever you start turning the ball over and you put your defense out there uh, just wearing them down, it's going to get rough for you. So Washington definitely uh, – the turnovers more than likely killed them, uh, you know, for that game. Auburn did look impressive, though, I think. Uh, they definitely look like, you know, they're going to be trying to contend in the SEC again uh, this year as well. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the LSU Auburn matchup, the Alabama Auburn matchup. Um, all the whole entire SEC West is going to be pretty good this year. Um, like you said earlier, the whole SEC looked good. Every team won except for, <laughs> except for Tennessee. So, I'm excited to see, especially to be a Tennessee fan and an SEC fan, to see how good the SEC looks this year. This is one of the best uh, quarterback classes that. Obviously not recruiting, but just the slate of quarterbacks in the SEC. This is the best it's been in probably 10 years, 15 years. So um, I'm really excited for the SEC. And somebody else that looked good um, was the next game that we picked, Miami at 
uh, versus LSU. Uh, the the guru over here picked that one right. <laughs> um, but Miami's the same Miami as they were the last couple games last year. Rozier, or Rozier, however you want to say his name, same same bad quarterback making terrible decisions. That pick that he threw, that pick six, uh, one of the worst throws I've ever seen. So He just chucked it up. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow looked – better than any LSU quarterback that I've seen in a long time. Great game manager, perfect for the offense, and if LSU can continue to run the ball like they did against uh, Miami defense, which is actually pretty good, um, LSU can go far this year. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback for LSU uh, definitely showed that they are more than likely going to have some stability at quarterback. Uh, of course, he, I think he had – 145 yards in the air, I think, or something like that. Yeah. He didn't throw a touchdown, but, I mean, when your running back's putting up 125 and rushing for two DDs, you really don't have to do a whole lot as a quarterback. Uh, but he, I he, I mean, he played about as thought as I good he or as good as I thought he would. Uh, he came out and really just was a good signal caller and a game manager for the Tigers, and then they just kind of pounded the ball like an SEC team would. Um, and their running back had, you know, 125 yards uh, on the ground and then ran for two TDs and had, a, you know, like a 50-yard run, I think, in mm-hmm. the first half. Yeah. So uh, LSU definitely showed that uh, they might have been a little underrated coming in in the top 25. Uh, and then, of course, like I kind of suggested last week, that Miami was probably a little overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Coach O kind of bought him some – some relief with that that first week game kind of took them off the hot seat maybe just a little bit uh, but LSU looked good Miami did not look good no. really on any side of the field <laughs> so uh, you know it was a good win for the Tigers yeah like I said I think Coach O uh, really saved his butt and if Coach O can get nine or ten wins this year they're gonna quit talking about it in general and a lot of the stuff that they talk with Coach O is making these head coach um, mistakes. And then that first quarter, it kind of looked like nothing had changed. They had to call three timeouts in the first quarter. In not the first half, but the first quarter because um, the clock was running out or they didn't have the right personnel on the field or whatever it may be. But then Joe, and Joe Burrow kind of spoke on that too, that they really kind of fixed it. Um, fixed it themselves. They all gathered together with Coach O and got that fixed. So... And um, like you said about him only throwing for like 145 yards, um, I watched an interview on him yesterday, actually, and he said that the game plan was to throw the ball, and a lot of them were pass calls whenever he walked up to the line, but you could see him calling the audibles, and he was audible into the run. That, that 50-yard touchdown that you, were talk- that you talked about, he actually audibled to that run. It was actually supposed to be a play action. So um, a real good game manager. Joe Burrow looked good, and if he can continue that, then LSU is going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Yeah, and uh, eventually LSU's probably going to have to put the ball in his hands for, you know, basically to have to rely on his arm because you're not going to be able to win a whole lot of football games in the SEC if all you can do is run the ball and you don't have an elite offensive line because uh, when teams start loading the box on you, you got to be able to throw the ball, uh, which is why Alabama looked pretty unstoppable with the quarterback. So, um but yeah, Burrow, Burrows is you know sometime down the line, especially during uh, conference games, he's probably gonna have to air it out a little more, and definitely try to get uh, some TDs up on his stat book as well. But I think, like I said, I think the Tigers looked good, uh, and I Miami did not look good. So 
just how that game went for the Hurricanes. Yeah, and then the next game we had was the Monday night game, uh, number 20 Virginia Tech at number 19 Florida State. Uh, we both picked Florida State, and we were both pretty wrong. Uh, Virginia Tech really surprised me. Uh, Fuente's team went there 124-3. to Dominated. Yeah, and Francois looked awful. And Virginia Tech is replacing literally their entire secondary. All four players were new. Um, so, like I said, Francois looked terrible. Cam Akers supposed to be – um, a dark horse Heisman candidate candidate this year, I think, ran for like seventy four yards. Um, Virginia Virginia Tech's quarterback Johnson looked really good, looked perfect for the offense. Fuente was calling calling really good plays for him. Like I said, I think Fuente is a real the real deal. Um, with him coming from Memphis, everybody was kind of iffy about him, and a lot of schools wanted him, and he decided to go to Virginia Tech. So it's gonna be it's gonna be um, pretty interesting to see how the how the rest of the season unfolds with the with the youth in the secondary for Virginia Tech and how it how it kind of works out for for Willie Taggart. I thought I think I thought the hire was bad in the first place because I don't really think Willie Taggart's that great of a coach. I think he's pretty I think he's pretty overrated. He was overrated at Oregon. Uh, the players weren't really mad whenever he left. They already had a guy that they wanted to come in for him. So we'll see how it goes for Virginia Tech and we'll see how it goes for Florida State, but. Uh, like I said, I think that I think that Florida State has a lot to work on, other than just the on the field issues with Willie Tagger. Yeah, I, I mean Virginia Tech, from really, I mean basically from start to finish, has absolutely put it on Florida State. Uh, and I thought since Florida State was at home, you know they got the new coach, uh, they got, I mean essentially their returning quarterback, you know back from injury. So, I mean, I just expected uh, Francois to play a lot better. Uh, and he looked, like you said, he, I mean, flat out just looked terrible. Uh, Florida State didn't look impressive really on either offense or defense uh, because, you know, when Virginia Tech puts up 24 points on the board and then you can't, you can't go score more than three points, uh, it's going to be a rough year. Uh, Florida State will probably figure it out though. They'll probably end up going seven and five or eight and four, probably somewhere in there. Be a mid, you know, mid pack uh, ACC school. Yeah, but uh, Virginia Tech, however, they just looked like uh, they're gonna try to, you know, try to hunt down Clemson for the ACC. Uh, really, just try to make you know a big push in the ACC race. Um, so I was really impressed with Virginia Tech. Of course, Notre Dame, I think it's week five or six. They play at Virginia Tech, so that's not going to be fun. Uh, but Florida State did not look good. Uh, really, their quarterback play looked pretty bad. The head coaching, you know, the head coach debut was not good for uh, Florida State's coach. So definitely was both wrong on that game. Yeah. So that sucks pretty bad, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on it. We were both six and five this week, so um, one game we both did get right, and I'm pretty sure the entire nation got right, unless you were just trying to make some money on a, on a crazy game was um, Alabama and Louisville. Um, really, not much to talk about on that game. Tua, <laughs> Tua looked great. Uh, had the Alabama had two special teams touchdowns, pick six. Typical, typical Alabama. Um, and you said it earlier that. Their offense may be better than their defense last year, which I'm pretty sure Alabama's never been able to say. Not that their defense isn't good. It's just that their offense is great. So they're three running backs deep, um, two quarterbacks deep. Their whole entire offensive line's good. Um, a new crop of receivers this year, but they all looked good. So um, two is two is obviously the man to go with. They've already announced that this week. So um, not really much to talk about with this game, but I think Alabama's going to – 
I, I, I expect it's hard to say this because it's college football, but I think Alabama probably runs the table this year. I mean, as Nick Saban, as Nick Saban said, quit asking. Well, a lot of us are going to quit asking because <laughs> I mean, Tua, Tua is obviously the better quarterback. It's not even, it's not even a competition. Uh, Hertz is, you know, Hertz was a good ma- game manager for Alabama for uh, so many, you know, so many games. But Tua is obviously like a one, you know. Uh, once in a life quarterback for Alabama, so he's going to be he's going to be a stud uh, for the Tide this year, and then they're just going to be typical Alabama, just try to dominate every side of the game, uh, every facet of the game. But like I, I mean, you were talking about it, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, they really they Alabama's offense has a chance, which is funny, but Alabama's offense has a chance to be better than Alabama's defense, which mm-hmm. is. Just kind of unbelievable to think about because when you think Alabama, they just got like eight or nine NFL prospects on the defense. So I think they're going to be super explosive on offense this year while being really good on defense. So it's going to be hard to really see anybody beating Alabama this year. Of course, there is some uh, contenders with that, but Tua definitely looked. I mean, they played Louisville and Louisville's going to be really down this year uh, they're not going to be they're probably going to be a mediocre football team um, so it's kind of hard to base the whole season off Alabama playing a weak Louisville team but Alabama definitely I mean they put up 50 some points on them just dominate them from start to finish kind of like me and you suggested it was going to be uh, and I kind of figured it was going to be like that because Louisville couldn't match anything that Alabama did so uh, but the quarterback converse, con, con, controversy, controversy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Their controversy is definitely over in Tuscaloosa. That is completely over with. Hertz is still going to see the field, and Nick Saban's definitely going to play in both. But two is definitely the go-to guy for Nick Saban. Yeah. Um, just one thing that I would that I kind of want to throw out there, uh, just to kind of look look towards um, for the end of this season or somewhere. Um, if I was Hertz. Not because I wouldn't want to play, but I would definitely not go over those four games that um, where you're not allowed to redshirt. And I would redshirt and just not lose another year of eligibility, transfer somewhere, and have two more years of eligibility. Because is Jalen Hurts athletic enough to switch positions? No. Is he a good enough quarterback to where he's NFL bound? Obviously not. So, And like you said, two is a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback for Alabama, not in general, but just for Alabama because he fits their system so perfectly and he's actually gifted. Yeah. So that's just an interesting storyline to kind of follow this year, see where Jalen Hurts ends up, and uh, to see where Tua takes Alabama. And uh, the last game we had is Notre Dame, uh, Michigan traveling to Notre Dame. Um, one of the, like I said before, it was probably the most impressive seven-point win that I've maybe ever seen. Um Alabama or Alabama, sorry, Notre Dame looked great. Uh, uh, Wimbush handled the game perfectly. Wimbush was slinging, absolutely slinging the ball, and I think he only threw for like a hundred and something yards. But it was it was a it was an impressive game. He ran the ball good. Uh, Notre Dame ran the ball good on what's supposed to be a dominant Michigan defense. So um, Harbaugh is going to have to either a change his ways, which. Not going to happen. Or B, you're going to have to find a player or players that fit your scheme. 
which is not going to happen in college football. I mean, obviously you can pick your own players, but in four years it's going to be hard to keep players in there that completely fit your scheme. And Harbaugh's scheme is kind of it's kind of weird. Obviously not defensively, but offensively because he's. Have we seen a a running back or b you know, a quarterback that fit his scheme yet? No, we haven't. So. I mean, it's it's weird to see Harbaugh's in a weird place right now because obviously he's a good coach. Um, like Colin Coward said today, he's a great coach. We're not questioning that. We're just questioning the not even the ability to win games or just he's for just, the fact that they're just not winning games. He's just got to figure out how to win at Michigan, and that's what everybody was excited about when he came back to Michigan. Is that you know he's he's got this aura about him. You know he's kind of like Chip Kelly when he came back to college football. There's a really big deal. Um, but he's just not, especially like his last 16 games or so with Michigan, he's really struggled. Uh, of course, you know, he's, he's been a good – he's been a really good upgrade at the head coaching position at Michigan because Michigan was definitely down in the dumps before he got there. Um, but he's just – I mean, to be honest, he's just struggled trying to win games. And it always seems like something – uh, always goes wrong with him at the end of games or some like one possession changes a game for him and then he just can't recover. Uh, another big thing that everybody was paying attention to with the Michigan thing is Shea Patterson. They thought that he was going to be able to finally be the quarterback that goes along with this elite defense and helps Jim Harbaugh win all these games, and he wasn't. He played terrible for the Wolverines. Um, really had the costly turnover at the end of the game that really sealed the game for Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, it should it was a 24-17 to 17 win for the Irish, but it was, I mean, if you're watching that game without a scoreboard, you're thinking the game is, <laughs> it's like a 30-point game because Notre Dame just dominated Michigan from start to finish. Uh, they really just physically dominated Michigan. Uh, and, of course, Winbush out there gunslinging it. Uh, and that's what he's able to do. He's able to run and throw these big, you know, 45-yard bombs, and he's just really inconsistent with the 10 to 15-yard. And that's just the bit. That was the biggest thing. Uh, but you can definitely see where he, he worked on it a lot this offseason, and he got a little better at it. Um, he definitely still needs to improve. Uh, and I definitely like that Kelly put Ian Book in uh, the game, and he kind of had this Alabama two-quarterback thing going on. So, but Notre Dame looked really impressive. Uh, of course, Jim Harbaugh couldn't find a win in South Bend, so that just adds some fire to his seat as well. Uh, and Shea Patterson's obviously not the quarterback that's going to help Michigan win a national title. So, Yeah, and I think that's kind of why, uh, like he said, that Wimbush doesn't have the amount of yards that he should because he completes those 45, 50-yard passes but that he can't complete the five-yard ones, the dink and dunkers that help your completion percentage and add the yards to that. So, And something else I just wanted to throw at you that um, I, I've kind of touched on it before with you, that uh, Kelly doesn't manage games the best if he's up at halftime. And uh, something I just wanted to throw out at you, kind of a bold statement, so um, just kind of be ready for it, is that Kelly is a glorified Butch Jones um, Kelly's 100, 102 and 55 as a head coach. Butch Jones, 84 and 54 as a head coach. So Yeah, but where did he coach at? Same exact, same exact schools. <laughs> Terrible. Those are the same That's at Central Michigan and at Cincinnati. So, same exact schools. Not counting uh, wherever 
Kelly was at before. How many national championships Butch played in or coached in? As an assistant? <laughs> no, as a as a as Okay, a he's coach. he's coached in one less anyways, he's coached in one less than mm-hmm. Kelly. And Butch is four and two in bowl games and Kelly is five and four with the national championship blemish of getting smacked by Bubba, aka Bama. So um, never happened. Those, those, that whole season got vacated. So, you, so even, even worse. So, can't, okay, can't so go then, back. Can't so go then, back. So then, Kelly has never appeared in the national championship. So we'll, we're back to square one. Kelly doesn't know how to manage games. Twenty-four to seventeen. I think in the fourth quarter, you guys had like nine total yards of offense. So you, the play column was 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 weird. Oh, we we definitely tried to let those bums come back in the game where it should have been. It should have been. Easily like forty something to seventeen. I mean, we should have absolutely dominated them, and you know, basically took their will away to play football week one. But you're right, Kelly did not manage to get the end of the game well at all. Uh, he definitely tried to let Michigan uh, sneak back in the game and try to sneak one late when we physically dominated them from you know start to finish of that game. Uh, but you know, a win's a win, especially when it's a rivalry game like Michigan uh, it's one of the biggest rivals and then it's the week one game the college game day uh, you're both super high rated you're both got you know contentions for a playoff spot so Notre Dame definitely elevated themselves but they should have been they should have went even higher they should have absolutely killed Michigan and proved that they're a legit you know team this year for a playoff spot uh, but like I said you you always take a win and wins no matter a win is always a win, no matter what. So, till that starts to become a problem, but we'll see. We'll see about that. Anyways, uh, just to recap, week one, oh, we're six, winning. We're winning this game against Ball State week two. I tell you I, that. I was six and five, and Logan was six and five. So, um, kind of a kind of a shaky week. Uh, no. A lot of quarterback, a lot of quarterback injuries kind of screwed us. So, um, we're not picking as many games this week, so we'll see how we can bump our records up. Uh, player of the week, I took Scotty Phillips from Ole Miss. Like I said, 16 rushes, 204 yards, two touchdowns. Looked great and can definitely help lead um, Ole Miss uh, to, to the 8-9 and nine win column, like I said. Uh, who was your player of the week? Uh, LSU's running back, I believe it. You pronounce his last name, Brosette, I think it's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Had 125 yards and two TDs for LSU. Uh, had a 50-yard run in the first half. Uh, really just helped, you know, LSU dominate Miami, which is a big-time upset uh, and a big win for an LSU program. So he definitely, uh, you know, the thing with LSU is that they kind of, you know, since they lost the NFL running back last year, uh, they kind of didn't really know who their top guy at running back was going to be and he came out and proved that he's going to be the number one back for LSU and that LSU is going to have another year of having an incredible run game so it's uh it's interesting to see but that's who I got as the player of the week yeah my surprise team of the week was Virginia Tech like I said uh Fuente not that I doubted him or anything but um, I expected Florida State to be better Virginia Tech plus five turnover ratio uh, Fuente's the real deal, and like you said, Virginia Tech completely dominated that game. Uh, Will Taggart said today that he thought that the Virginia Tech players were faking the injuries and all that, but um, yeah, Virginia Tech looked great. Um, um, excited to see what they do the rest of the season. Yeah, my surprise team uh, was LSU. 
I thought they would. I thought you know I predicted they would win the game against Miami. I didn't think that they were gonna just outmatch Miami in every facet of the game, uh, and they just basically ran Miami Miami out of the stadium. So they really caught me off guard because you know if they got the quarterback and they got the run, you know the running game, and then they got the LSU defense that they're pretty well known for. I mean they can definitely try to come at. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, you know, these top teams in the SEC and try to maybe uh, find a way to play in Atlanta at the end of the year. But I definitely liked how LSU looked, and I also liked uh, how well their quarterback was and, you know, the new running back they have. All right, so then we got this week's games. Uh, First game we got is Michigan State at Arizona State. I think it's a pretty interesting game, and I put it on the slate for the sole fact that Arizona State looked good last week. Um, Herm Edwards... Everybody kind of thought that he was kind of kind of washed up as a coach, and he hadn't been in coaching for a while before he came to Arizona State. And Michigan State looked terrible, too terrible, last week. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm picking Arizona State just to just to go on on a limb there. I think Michigan State they they answered back from last week, but I think Arizona State is better than what people are giving credit for. I think their defense is. Pretty good. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and go ahead and pick Arizona State. I'm going to go the opposite and pick Michigan State. I think uh, them almost getting beat by Utah State at home is pretty embarrassing. Uh, So I think they'll figure it out this week, uh, bounce back, and really just be – I mean, because Michigan State on paper is a better team than Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, Of course, they are having to travel all the way to Arizona State to play, but I don't think – I think Michigan State and the the Spartans are going to be – uh, just fine, and they're going to come back, and they're going to cover the spread for this week. And what is the spread? Uh, as of right now, I think I think they're a fourteen and a half spread on Arizona State. That's bold, but we'll see. Um, and then the next game we got is number two, Clemson traveling to Texas A and M. Um, you said earlier you think we're gonna we're gonna kind of see Jimbo exposed. <laughs> I don't know if you could really expose Jimbo, but if anybody was going to do it, it'd be Dabo. So, I think Clemson's defensive line absolutely controls this game. I think that, um, um, sorry, that Clemson's quarterback handles the game. I think it's a pretty low-scoring game. I think it's who's Clemson playing a quarterback though? Oh, they'll play. They'll play Kelly. They won't play Trevor Lawrence. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked good though. What was he like? Eleven of thirteen for three touchdowns, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and Kelly didn't look good either. That's the thing. Kelly did not come out and impress, and really like he did, like Tua did with Alabama. He didn't come out and really put the controversy to the rest. So, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, but I have I have Clemson uh, beating Texas A and M. Uh, Dabo's really had Jimbo's. Uh, number for quite a while now so I think Clemson's front seven is just going to dominate Texas A&M uh, and I think Clemson's good enough on offense to put enough points up on the board to really just wear down uh, the Texas A&M defense so I got Clemson winning uh, I got them winning pretty easily as well I think it's going to be a three possession game so I don't think Jimbo just has He's not had enough time, obviously, to help Texas A&M uh, pull this game off. Yeah, I don't think it's a three-possession game, but I think it's a 13-point game somewhere around in there. Not for the fact that uh, Clemson isn't that much better than Texas A&M. I just think it's going to be a low-scoring game for the fact that you said that Kelly Bryant looked 
looked pretty rough last year, and then if they do throw Trevor Lawrence in there, then that that's a one of the worst situations that you could be thrown in. Was playing against Jimbo and then at Texas A&M, so um, we'll see how it goes. I think Clemson wins by somewhere around 13 points. So um, next game we got is number 17 USC at number 10 Stanford. I think um, both teams. Not that I think that both teams look terrible. I know both teams look terrible. <laughs> Week one, Stanford was riding too hard on feeding Bryce Love. Uh, after a while, if it doesn't work, you don't keep beating a dead horse. So, um, told he just. He could not get anything going that week one game. He just looked he just looked bad, especially for him to be one of the front runners to win the Heisman before the season started. Come out and basically lay a dud out like that, it's pretty rough. So uh, I, I didn't think Stanford looked good. And like you said, USC didn't look good the first half, but they totally just eventually put it on UNLV late in the game. So, uh, but – I'm taking I'm taking as much as I don't want to say it because I hate both these teams, and Notre Dame has played both these teams this year like like normal. Uh, I'm actually taking USC coming in uh, and beating the Cardinal at Stanford. I think USC has a good quarterback, uh, and then they also have a new he he's also a new wide receiver for the Trojans. So I think that combo. For USC, uh, the quarterbacks JT Daniels, uh, who was a five-star coming out of high school, and then St. Brown uh, is the wideout for USC. So I think USC is going to go in and beat Stanford uh, and pull off that upset. Yeah, and I think the only reason that I'm picking Stanford, um, obviously Bryce Love, I think he'll I think he'll rebound this week, and I'm picking Stanford because it's at Stanford. And like you said, USC is starting a true freshman quarterback. And you can kind of see those woes early against UNLV. Um, he didn't look too sharp. Came out in the second half. Obviously, they, they took a pretty commanding lead and ended up taking over. But I think that for the sole fact that JT Daniels is a true freshman, Stanford's not the easiest place to play. And Stanford's defense is obviously good. Mm-hmm. So um, I think Stanford controls the ball. I think that uh, JT Daniels kind of looks like a, a freshman quarterback. And I think that Stanford wins – Probably a three or four point game. Yeah, I have you. I just, I mean, I have it basically just flip flopped. I have USC winning thirty one to twenty eight. So, uh, it's definitely going to be a, uh, a close game, and it's also a big game for the Pac twelve. That's a big time game to see who can try to win that conference because it's really up for grabs right mm-hmm. now, really. So, uh, it's a big game for week two. Uh, but I just, I just have the Trojans winning. Yeah, the next game is kind of. Um, more or less, obviously there's other teams in the in the in the hunt for it, but it's kind of a game for second or third place in the SEC East, not the SEC overall, but the SEC East. Um, Kentucky at number twenty five, Florida. Florida's won what thirty one straight. The last couple games have been close, other than Florida putting the smackdown on Kentucky um, a couple years ago. So <sighs> this game's a hard game to pick. I want to pick Kentucky because I hate Florida, <laughs> but. At some point, you got to let your fandom not be in the way, and you got to let the facts kind of speak for themselves. Thirty-one straight. Uh, Felipe Franks didn't look terrible week one. Looked terrible. Threw five touchdowns. Yeah, but I don't. I don't even remember yeah. that. Like Northeastern <laughs> State or somebody like that. So no, actually they played Georgia Southern. So they allowed I think two hundred and twenty-nine yards rushing. Uh, the team they played is a triple option team, but allowing that much rushing yards kind of. Kind of, kind especially of, especially if you're playing Kentucky because Kentucky is gonna. Oh, Kentucky's three deep at running back. They're all the yeah, way. Kentucky's gonna try to pound the ball because their quarterback's terrible. 
Yeah, they got Benny, and then they got um, the they got the Rose, and then they got Saheem King. That's yeah. the the speedster. So, I think Florida's defense is good enough to win them the game. I think it's going to be a super low scoring game. Kentucky either needs to go with the the Hoke. Is that a, I think it's his last name. They need to either go with Hoke or they need to uh, go with. Uh, Terry, Terry, Tur- Terry Turnover. Terry Turnover. His yeah. official name instead of Terry Touchdown. They need to go with him and just run the heck out of the football. Uh, Kentucky's defense is good enough to win on the game. Kentucky's defense looked amazing. The well, besides you know the whole history with, uh, with Kentucky, unless you were born before 1986, you don't know what it's like to beat Florida if you're a Kentucky fan. Yeah. So uh, that's one thing aside. You also you don't want to bet against that, but you can't go. I don't think you can go down to Florida and play in the swamp if you don't have a competent quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Terry Turnover, the first half of the Kentucky game, looked absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, just a real bad poor man's version of Brandon Wimbush just wants to run and can't throw. Mm-hmm. And just makes bonehead passes all the time. Uh, but the Hope kid, I believe that's his name, he kind of provided a spark for Kentucky their week one game. So, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, whoever they play, but I don't think either one of them quarterbacks are good enough to beat Florida. Uh, I think Florida tries to contain the running backs for Kentucky, and then they just end up beating Kentucky at home. But it's definitely I, – I do agree it's definitely a competitive game for, you know, for that game. Yeah, in the last two years um, that Kentucky and Florida played, uh, a couple years ago, Everybody obviously knows they've seen the picture of the clock. The clock ran out on Florida. Yeah, that game was over. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if Florida scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal or whatever, but they won the game off that play. And then last year was maybe the worst coaching debacle that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, they didn't have a guy on a receiver, not once, but twice. Not off a substitution issue, they just didn't have a guy on him. So Kentucky football. Yeah, too. Kentucky football kind of beats itself sometimes. Uh, Stoops is kind of a – I don't. He's kind of a conundrum, man. He's just. It's just weird to watch him. I watched him at um, when I went to the old. Whenever I watched him play Ole Miss last year, everybody. Whenever one thing goes bad, man, all those Kentucky fans just start freaking out. They know what's. They know what's coming. And I think Stoops kind of thinks that to himself. He he kind of thinks too much, and doesn't really focus on the game as much. I think this game's close. You got the spread for this game. Mm-mm. No, so. I know, I know, I know. Florida. Uh, I don't know what the exact spread is now, but earlier today when I was looking at it, uh, I didn't think Florida was going to cover the spread. I think they're. I think that was a fourteen two, and a half. Yeah, it's somewhere around. I there. think it was a two possession. I think Florida wins like thirty three uh, to twenty four or something. But I think the spread's higher up. I think it was like a twenty point spread for Kentucky. Uh, but I think I think Kentucky keeps it close. You just can't win in Florida without a quarterback. Yeah, I think it's about a ten point game. I think it's like twenty seven, seventeen, somewhere around in there. And Benny, if if Kentucky wins, it's going to be because of Benny Snell, and it's going to be because of the defense. So we'll see how it works out. Uh, Florida on the on the verge this year of being a, a good football team. Obviously, they have a, a good coach in Dan Mullen, so we'll see how it works out for them. And then the next game is also an SEC game. Number three, Georgia traveling to number 24, South Carolina. It's been a, it's been a good game the last couple years. I think last year was a two-touchdown game, but it was it was closer than it looked. I like Jake Bentley. He looked great week one. Um, they got Debo back this year. For South Carolina, is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then Georgia's obviously Georgia. They're replacing a lot from last year. You're – you're going to South Carolina, which is an underrated SEC stadium or underrated stadium in general. Yeah, I mean, 
their home their home field advantage for South Carolina is crazy. Uh, you can watch their games on TV and just kind of forget that South Carolina is a big time like home field. Uh, you know, it's going to be a big game for the Gamecocks uh, and Will Muschamp. Uh, if he could pull that game off against Georgia, that would be a huge win, not only for the program and for this year, uh, but it would really be good for the SEC race as well because South Carolina is, you know, borderline trying to sneak, uh, become, you know, one of the top SEC schools and try to get, you know, one of those spots to uh, Atlanta. So, but I, I don't have I don't have South Carolina winning. I have Georgia winning. I think Georgia uh, basically reloaded this year. Uh, I think they're going to be uh, definitely in contention for a playoff spot again. Uh, just if they can survive that brutal SEC schedule. But I have I have Georgia win this game. I think it's pretty I think it's a pretty close game for most of the game. Uh, and Georgia, you know, basically dominates uh, the second half is what I feel like is going to happen. I feel like Georgia's going to dominate the second half and take the crowd out uh, and then, you know, kind of just silence it and then go from there and take care of business. Yeah, I think Georgia wins too, but – and like you said, this is a big game for the SEC East race for the fact – especially not for Georgia as much because I don't know anybody else that's really a contender in the SEC East other than not South Carolina. Year, no. Yeah, and if – if South Carolina could pick this game up, especially with it being at home, you can afford to lose to Florida or maybe to Kentucky, who always competes with them. So some, yeah, some of your rough road games you got this year, but I, it would be a like I said, it'd be a huge win for Muschamp and South Carolina if they win, because uh, that would definitely throw uh, some stuff in the knots in the SEC East race. But I don't think they have it uh, to do it this year. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think Georgia wins, but. Um, I think South Carolina keeps it close. Um, probably a touchdown game. I think it's I think it's um, a really big game for Muschamp, and especially for Bentley to see if he's in that. Because there's probably there's probably two or three tiers in the SEC quarterbacks. Obviously, there's two and um, Fitzgerald, and then um, George's quarterback. Now, is Bentley up there, or is he in that second tier with Burrow. most of the quarterbacks other than Kentucky's quarterbacks? So and Tennessee's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll probably put JG in the second tier, but that's for another time. Um, I thank you guys for listening again. Uh, make sure to share, retweet, like, whatever you got to do. Uh, we'll see you guys later this week for the uh, week three or week four uh, high I'm school. Not, I'm not on that, so don't ask me. Yeah, so we got we got a lot of big matchups this week, so make sure to tune in. Appreciate you guys.